It's great to be here and, and be with you. This is my first trip outside the UK since COVID. And um, I saved it for my special people, really, because uh, I don't travel much in the... But I do. This is, this is the best church I ever come to. The best. I say that everywhere, but people seem to not quite like it. <laughs> and it must be true somewhere. <laughs> so if you say it everywhere, you'll get the right place, won't you? But that's great. It's great to, to be here and uh, be with you. I, I, I was trying to work out how long it was since we've been. In one way, it felt like ages since we've been here. And, but once we get together, I feel like I was here last week. Do you know, that happened with friends, didn't it? You, know, you don't see someone for years, and you bump into them, you pick up with them, and it's almost like, oh, as I was saying five years ago. <laughs> I feel a bit like that when I come to you. I feel like I'm back with friends, and, and so thank you. Thank you so much. Good to be here. Um, should we read out the Bible? Yes. Well, I think the yes has got that. Look at Matthew chapter 6, and I'm... See where we're going. Oh. I knew it was a bad idea using this. Go away. I keep showing me pictures of my grandchildren. I don't want I love them, but I want the Bible. There it is. <laughs> Matthew chapter six. And verse thirty one. This is Jesus preaching. Jesus preached quite long sermons, I've discovered. Uh, when you read them. Uh, the Apostle Paul preached even longer sermons. People died during his sermons. <laughs> Can you imagine that was your first Sunday at church and said, when's this man ever going to stop? And somebody falls out a window and drops on a ledge and dies. You think, well, at least we'll stop now. But he didn't. He went down and prayed for the guy. And I think he probably said, the name of Jesus, rise up and walk right everybody back in. <laughs> I'm going two or three hours and we'll be finished. But so uh, you will be relieved to, to know I actually, I don't mind being like Paul, but I actually want to be like Jesus. So you may get out for lunch after all rather than five hours but anyway here we go i read from the the new king james version and we're in matthew chapter 6 and verse 31 and jesus is saying therefore do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for after all these things the gentiles seek and actually that's us for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about his own things. Sufficient for the day is his own trouble. Amen. God bless his word to our hearts. I'm going to talk a little bit about living a resurrected life and sort of a... <laughs> Sometimes it's easy just at Easter, just to say, he's risen. I, but the problem is you all know the punchline when it comes to sort of Easter Sunday. But one was, I want to talk about coming out and living a resurrected life, what that feels like, what that looks like, some actions of that. And I guess the biggest thing, which, which for you go away and think about, is that before you can live a resurrected life, you have to die. You can, I mean, if Jesus didn't die, then he wasn't resurrected, he was just revived. And so if you just think for, for, for you and me, if we're going to live the resurrection life of Jesus, we're going to have to die to ourselves. That's the start of all, is we die to him and we, and, and we live. And I'm going to talk a little bit about how, what we leave in the grave and what we bring out with us. And we'll see where we go with that, really. 
But I want to tell you, you're doing better than you thought. Most Christians aren't so full of themselves to think, you know, I'm the best Christian in the world. I did hear one church where they, they gave one of the, uh, the guys in the church a little pin that says, um, the most humble man in the church. And they had to take it off him because they wore it every week. <laughs> but on the whole, the average Christian doesn't think more highly. We're more likely to think we're not doing very good. Am I talking to the right people? I sort of think one day they're going to find out about me and throw me out. Because I think, think, but actually, the Lord comes alongside us to encourage us. That's why the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He comes to say, it's going to be okay. And But Jesus says, listen, don't, don't worry the way that the world does. Don't worry. But because you're not the way the world is. They, they haven't got a covenant with the eternal God. They haven't got a Father in heaven. And if, if you haven't got a Father in heaven, of course you'll be worried. But you have the same problems. I have the same problems everybody else has. I find my, I don't know what you call them, the electric company and all those people, they send me bills on a regular basis. And I feel like writing back to them and say, do you know that I love Jesus and I serve Jesus? Do you think maybe you could give me a huge discount because most of my bills are because I'm entertaining people? Didn't work. I've had the same health scares. I know some people say, if you're a Christian, you'll never have a problem in, the rest, in your life. You'll never be sick. I wish that was true. Certainly it's not worked for me. Something's not working. But I found that I have the same problems everybody else has. But what I have is a resource that not everybody else has. I have a father I can run to in the time of trouble. I have a tower that I can shelter in. And so Jesus said, don't worry the way the world do. Because they don't know somebody bigger than themselves is looking after them. And so this is like... Relax, you will feel better at the end of the service than the beginning. There's not going to be another offering, it's okay, relax, <laughs> be at peace, everything's fine. When after, after, has not, not, to, not to worry, you don't have to worry. And it's almost, you have to decide now what we, what we take with us, what we leave in life. Let me, let me tell you where I'm coming from. I'm married to Mandy, my wife, who I hope is not watching the live stream. I have to preach different if she's here. But, so we've been married, actually we, we've married just over 40 years. Married for, oh, sometimes the anointing does that. Have you noticed the floor is a lot lower than it used to be? I don't know how that works, but somebody's got a lot lower than so. So we we've been sort of married let's say forty odd years, and, and um, COVID went great for us because during COVID, my, my wife was sixty. I know, I know, I must have married a much older woman. <laughs> it was Mandy's sixtieth birthday. It was our fortieth wedding anniversary, and Mother's Day, and all those things. And in the UK, we we weren't restaurants were closed. You couldn't travel. You couldn't do. So instead of going to Vienna, we were at home and all those, instead of traveling for all these things, saved a fortune. <laughs> um, I'm from Scotland, by the way, and God's blessed me with a desire to look after the, the money. And so we, had, we couldn't do all those things. Everything was canceled. We couldn't, we couldn't do anything. And, and then they opened up and they, we, we made a, a lockdown with COVID and we had a second lockdown. But in the middle, we had a couple of months we were allowed to go. And so I booked a restaurant and we celebrated 40 years anniversary, 60th and Mother's Day on one, one meal. 
I said, Mandy, we should do this every year. It's such a good use of resources. So COVID wasn't all bad, really. But some, she's not a very practical woman, really. Apparently, I owe her a trip to Athens, but that'll be coming up. That'll be coming, be coming soon. But I tell you, I tell you, you know, I'm married to a very happily married. We've got two daughters. We've got six grandchildren. So maybe there, there might be a second offering. Thinking about it. I've got five granddaughters and one grandson, bless his heart. So I start to think, I've had an insight into the psyche of women. The more I look into it, sorry, I'm not very politically correct. I have to say, I don't understand women at all. I just know you do what they tell you. Even in my sat-navs, a woman's voice, I'm used to women, you know, that's the, you do what you're told, don't you? When I was courting with my wife, Here's what I found out. When I took to Scotland to meet my parents for the first time, I'm a bit scared saying this, women can leave a purse anywhere. Absolutely anywhere. Some of my parents, I mean, it's nice we're going around, but 50, 60 miles on the drive home, which is a 400-mile drive from where my parents in Scotland live to where we live in England. I'm going to get there, but 60 miles, Mandy said, I've left my purse. Now, you call it a purse, we call it a handbag. So I'm, I'm trying to do the American thing, okay, I'm so, this is, I am bilingual. <laughs> I should speak three languages, Scottish, English and rubbish, but, but, <laughs> sometimes I left my purse, how could you leave your purse behind? It's got your money in it, it's got your credit cards in it, it's got your driver's license in it, it's got the keys to the house, to everything that's important to you, how on earth could you ever leave? But apparently it's not unknown. So we drive 100 miles there, 60 miles there, 60 miles, about an extra 120 miles onto a 400 mile journey. Praise God for that. <laughs> and I found out my daughters inherit the same genes. If I, if I showed you a picture of my children, I'd just say they're beautiful. And actually, apparently, they, they get all their good looks and intelligence from me. So <laughs> my wife says she's still got hers. But. <clears throat> I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> and I found instead of having to check, have you got your purse? Have you got your purse? Have you got your purse? <laughs> I have been seen in all sorts of restaurants on my hands and knees looking under chairs just to make sure that they've not left something behind from little toys. And then zoom on a little bit. Once they get children, um, <clears throat> we go to McDonald's. You must have heard of McDonald's. So I pray over that food, but the calories never leave you. <laughs> so I have noticed this. This is not to do with the sermon. But I, ever notice when you're a bit bigger like me, people like me always say, you know, a 20-hour ribeye and a Diet Coke, please. It just seems to... And I think Diet Coke makes you fat because everywhere I go, people who are overweight drink Diet Coke. <laughs> so it must be Diet Coke. It can't be anyway, so... <laughs> The Campbells and McDonald's in Scottish history didn't get on. We fought a lot. So I go to McDonald's as an act of reconciliation. <laughs> I just feel that now I'm a Christian, I should be reaching out to these people. And I've sacrificed my body for this, you know, it's not, it's not a small thing. And then I find out when you get there, they have things called Happy Meals, which is, keeps them happy. And then you must have seen, it's like, when it's time to go, like, but go... Put that in the bin. Give me the, no, you're not taking this. It's just a load of rubbish. It's a, it's, right, you have the toy, but you're not bringing the box. 
because your car's full of boxes. The box is rubbish. You just throw it away. Well, keep the toy, and I'll get rid of the toy when you're in bed. And so, but, <laughs> and so, I don't know where I have no idea. And it's almost like there's a big thing. We have to take the box. The number of times I let them take the box. One time we went to McDonald's. We had this scene with the girls. I wanted to take my box. I got in the car. Halfway down the road, Mandy says, I've left my purse behind. <laughs> You've left your purse behind. They brought Happy Meal boxes. Simply, I'm going to ask you, what do you need to leave behind? Are you sure that when you come out of the grave to live... The resurrected life that you brought your purse that you brought the things that are important or are you sort of carrying your hand the boxes which are meant to be disposable and thrown away the things that aren't that important Jesus is saying to them I want you to come out into resurrection life full of faith and not fear don't be worried but see faith and fear have got something in common it's this they're both based on something that's not happened yet. Faith and fear are both our response to something that's not yet happened. And it depends on what you believe is going to happen. There's some people who are just good at worrying. But I say to you, don't worry, you go, it's the only thing I'm good at. And so when Jesus says, don't worry, it's not coming into church going, oh, well, there we go again, I'm going to be told off again because I worry. You know, it's like, for instance, we're going to talk about the need to read your Bible. Okay, so I don't read your Bible enough. We need to pray. Okay, so I don't pray enough. Don't worry. Okay, I'll worry. No, it's not like that. Jesus, it's the opposite. He's saying, hey, you don't need to worry. Your father's got this. It's okay. I'm not telling you off for worrying. I'm saying, you don't have to. I'm going to lift it away from you. I'm going to tell you who's actually looking after it. You'll be fine. I don't worry about much because quite honest with you, my wife is so good at worrying, I sort of leave it to her. Like if I say to Mandy, um, I've got a headache, Ray Mandy, and she's what I call a catastrophizer. Do you know what a catastrophizer is? Let me say this, I'll say, oh, I've got a headache, my thumping head after a couple of days, and she'll go, it's brain tumour. You've probably got a brain tumor. You, you need to get a scan. You need an MRI. You just, you, that's a brain tumor. You've got, oh no, you're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. You've got a brain tumor. You'll be dead before Christmas. Oh no, who's going to pay the mortgage? You're going to be homeless. They're going to have the street, nowhere to live. It's terrible. What else are you going to do? And, stuff like that. and I'm thinking, I was thinking like an Advil or something. <laughs> To be honest with you, you want to choose hymns for a funeral, wouldn't I? I think, but just so the far end. Now, does it mean you don't worry about real problems? But actually, Jesus picks things which are what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. So I'm going to give you daily peace about the basics of life so you don't have to worry about it. Another one of the things my wife loves about me is I don't panic. I don't. My job, my role in our denomination, as, as I'm one of our national leaders, is I have to deal with problems every day. I deal with whatever there's a huge problem, I go and sort it out. God willing. Usually I just threaten to sit on people if they don't behave themselves. I, I find that passive aggression. I will sit on you. Thank you. That's fine. Stop it now. I, 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 that was that, 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 that would do it. But I don't panic. I don't. I'm, I'm really, in fact, one preacher literally said in the service, David Campbell's the sort of person who, 
if a bomb went off in the next room, you'd go, okay, well, I'll just finish this point and then we'll go see what that was. <laughs> so she likes that. The thing that really winds her up about me is that I don't panic. Because she said, you're obviously not taking it seriously. You know, it's almost like, you're not listening to me. Sometimes she tells me something, I go, oh no! And you just see the shock that comes in the face. Like, oh, it's really, it's really, if you're worried. I used to have a poster up in one of our offices. It said this, I wrote it down. If you can keep your head when all around are losing theirs, you just do not understand the situation. <laughs> And I think sometimes it's a bit like that. In fact, do you know that more than 90% of what you worry about never happens? Maybe 95%. Are... I used to be a countess. I'm very good at statistics. If 90% of what you worry about never happens, you know what that means? Worrying really works. Sometimes there's different views of life. It's what they call the contingency theory in Huxley and people that said. Basically, you, 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 plan, you plan for the worst and you hope for the best. A lot of businesses have to do that. That's an insurance way of working life. You plan for the, the worst and, and, and you hope for the best. Or a lot of people just say, well, whatever happens, happens. You know, kiss Sarah. Sarah. Kiss Sarah, Sarah. Wherever, now you know why I'm not in the worship group, eh? Well, wherever it will be, that's not in the Bible, that's Dory's day. <laughs> wherever it will be, will be. No, 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 it's not. But you have to come to that point of actually realizing that God is in control. Fear is not logical. And one of our problems is when, when you're hit by fear and somebody's, have you ever, let me give you an example. You, maybe it's happened to you, or you've seen someone, ooh, like that, and they're getting all uptight, and you say to them, calm down. <laughs> Has anyone ever seen that work? <laughs> but it's what you want to do. Yeah, but somebody's always going, calm down. Calm, you, calm down. Calm down. And then you're not, you're not calm anymore. So I know it's, it's contagious. I'm saying the words, but I don't know how, because, because worry and fear do not respond to logic. Because we're attacking it as the wrong thing. We're attacking it as, as an intellectual concept rather than a spiritual and emotional response to get a situation which we've, we've lost track of who's in charge of it. So we have to learn how to come by his voice. Do you know in the Bible there's two fathers? There's our father throughout in heaven. And Jesus says there's another father and Satan, he's the father of all lies. And we have to ask ourselves, which father will you believe when he speaks about the future? Which father am I listening to when I'm looking at my life? Because the father of lies, he tells you lies. He, thinks, he tells you things that are not true. It says in Proverbs 23, 7. This is an interesting Bible verse. You might know it. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Have you had that? Proverbs 23, 7. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, here's what I, here's what I think. We're going to do a lot of thinking in the next minute. A man thinks in his heart. Well, I think that I think 
in my head. I don't think that I think in my heart. Did you follow that? So why does the Bible say how I think in my heart is how I really am? Because that's who you really are. Our brain, our intellect is the filter that we take the reality of life through into process and put it in our spirit. It's also the filter that sometimes stops what's in your spirit coming out and being manifest. And we have to be people who are led by our heart, not just our head. We don't ignore the filter of the head. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Because sometimes we want... We want to be able to sort things out. and We have to leave some things behind. Fearful thinking is something we're going to have to leave behind. But the problem is, when you've got fear, what do you do about it? Have you ever been full of fear and people said, well, have faith in God, trust in God. Okay, it's something else I'm not doing. I'm full of fear and I haven't got enough faith. Some years ago, not that many years ago now, I had melanoma, cancer, stage three. I was actually told at one point I had a one in three chance of not coming through it. I mean, I did. I'm here. Of course not. <laughs> but I thought, I'd, in case you're a bit slow, catch up. <laughs> and, 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 and that was the sort of thing which you have to think, well, what will I be doing? And fear comes with this. And I was very fortunate. Like, a, a, like, like Pastor Jeff mentioned, I, I, I am responsible for loving and looking after 140 churches which, and about 200 odd pastors and about 22,000 people. And they all prayed and fasted for me. And I felt, I felt quite humble, to be honest. I thought, what about other people? And I kept sending them names of people who were being treated the same as me. They're not saved. They need someone. Just, 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 just pray for me too. And people were very kind. They sent me letters and letters of support. And, and it was great. But what they, one of the things they did was they sent me pieces of paper. Like, like, like that. And it was typed. And I, on the top of it it said, Spiritual prescription. Read three times with prayer per day. And then right down here, wasn't scriptures written out. It was scripture references all the way down. But 20 of them on that side and 20 of them on that side in fact it must have been 25 because it was 50 per sheet the first one I got thought wow maybe I should do that they'll crash it all for you I was sent 11 different copies of that and I said Mark to my wife that's 550 different bible verses three times a day that's 1,700, I told you to use my accounting, didn't I? 1,750 scripture verses I have to read every single... Don't tell God I said this, because it's his, his word, I mean. I says, you know, I think I'd rather die. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to be doing that, because I didn't, couldn't even read a newspaper. And people say, that's what you've got to do. You've got to don't let fear and be a man of faith. I'm thinking, oh no, oh no, I've just not, it's not enough, I've got cancer, now I've got to be the biggest person of faith in the church, because if I don't get this right, I'm dead. It's, it's a great comfort. But here's my problem. Nowhere in the Bible does it ever say, perfect faith casts out fear. Just doesn't say it. What the Bible says is, perfect love casts out fear. Now I, just, I don't need a word of knowledge to be able to say in this gathering, there's people here dealing with fear. 
you're in fear-filled situations, maybe it's a health situation, and maybe you've been told you have to hang on in faith. Well, that is the ultimate. We will need faith. We'll come to that in a moment. But the first stage, the antidote to fear, is not actually faith. It's love. And I found out that I just needed to step back and lean into Abba, Father's arms. Just to feel his love, feel his care. And I began to think things like, God's always been nicer to me than I deserved. Always. always. He has covered my back so many times. I didn't tell you how he's made me look good when I'm not. And I thought, he's not changed. He's always messed with me. I remember driving along because I was getting, I had surgery, they cut bits out of me. In fact, it's the only, it's the only time I ever lost weight, really, was when cut bits out of me. And so I said, I'm driving along, and, and I was saying to the Lord, Lord, God, I don't know how this works. I prayed for people who've been healed. I prayed for people who have died. I don't really know how it works. And I don't know if in heaven you've got, you know, if you've got a, a big book, and it goes, okay, yeah, that is, yeah, yes, the 2nd of May, Dave Campbell's coming up, that's that. And that's it. If that's the case, I'm not even going to bother praying. However, if you're open to suggestions, I actually pray this. I would quite like to live to be 100. I've always wanted to live to be 100. Because in England, if you live to be 100, the Queen writes to you and says, Happy birthday. <laughs> and when I was a little boy, I thought, I would like that. I neglected to work out the Queen was the same age as my mother. <laughs> Which means when I'm, when I'm 100, she'll be 130 something, so I don't think it's going to happen. But, but then I just thought, I always want, I said, Well, I just want to, I don't know which it is. And other times I'm driving along and said, God, I'm holding on to you by faith. And, and God says, are you holding on to me or are you gripping because you don't want to let go? I said, I don't know, Lord. And, and I came to a place, maybe it's faith, but I came to a place before that saying, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I believe that you love me enough that what's best for me. It wasn't a surrender. It wasn't a sort of kiss, sarah, sarah. It was almost like, yeah, Lord, I know that you love me. No one's looked out for me more than you. Yeah. No one. And you just sort of rest back into his arms. And when you rest back into his presence, he whispers in your ear. Now, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing the word of the Lord. It's all right, son. You're going to be okay. And I can remember the first time I said to my wife, hmm, I didn't realize you'd feel that emotional. I said to my wife, I think I'm going to live. She said, really? And she cried. I said, I think so. She said, did you think you might die? I said, I don't know. I, I don't know, to be honest with you. I'd love to be able to say to you, I was such a man of faith, as soon as I stand on promises, I sort of stood hopefully on the promises. But there came a day when I just felt, I think, Lord, if the Father wanted to take me, then I'd want to go. I said, I think he wants me here, Mandy. I think he says he's going to look after you. And I am. I'm going to tell you, you need to leave your fear behind. Because there's nothing bad going to happen to you that he doesn't allow because he's a bigger purpose than you ever knew. He'll bring you into peace and into love and relationship with him. And then Jesus says, don't, don't go chasing the same things as the world. You know, don't, don't worry the way the world does. Have peace. 
Because it's easy to run after things. You know, there's a verse in the Bible which talks about eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we, we die. Have you read that? This is not true. You don't eat, drink, and be merry, tomorrow we die. We eat, drink, and be merry, tomorrow we diet. <laughs> we call it building up the temple with calories. And sometimes, and actually, we're not. We're building up the temple. We're, we're overweight with a hangover. I have a hangover today. My belly hangs over my trousers, but I'm not going there. <laughs> Even that, that's too personal. But we get there. And, and Jesus said, don't worry the way the world saves, but begin to look after other things. And I find it amazing the way... Maybe we will run after the basics of life. Now, again, I just tell you, being a, a father of, of two daughters, a wife and five granddaughters, is, is that I find it very interesting. Now, this might be sexist, forgive me, but it's just I'm, I'm foreign. <laughs> you have to accept it. It's not personal. It's just Scottish people all of this, aren't we, Alan? <laughs> and I'm a bit like this. You see, when I go in the shop... I hate shopping. My wife shops for all my clothes. I was just really honest. I don't go shopping much. And actually, to be honest, if you look in the Bible, Jesus never went shopping. But that's just the point. <laughs> and I find a pair of shoes. I'll go in. I don't think in UK size 10. A pair of size 10, that's fine. Put them on. That's fine. A bit tight. Bigger size. And if they're comfortable, I buy them. Take them home. The other week there, my daughter, Amy, she's walking like that, limping. She says, Amy, darling, she's a paramedic. I thought, maybe you hurt yourself at work. I said, you're all right. She said, I'm fine. I said, well, why are you limping? She said, am I? I said, yes, you are. I knew what it was. I said, why? She said, I've got new shoes. I've got new shoes. You've got new shoes. And she's got, but I know, called Band-Aid. She's got Band-Aids on it. And she's limping. I said, I'm breaking in new shoes. I said, take them back. <laughs> they don't fit you. Take them back. They don't have any other size. I'll have to break these ones in. I think, what on earth are you doing? <laughs> I even have members of my family who are not listening online who buy dresses that are just tight for them and won't eat for two weeks before the event so it fits them. <laughs> now, I've never done that. <laughs> I don't think I'll be doing that either. Because you, you want to, and, but all those things are okay. God wants you to prosper. He wants you to have nice things. He wants you, he says, seek first the kingdom and you can have all these things. So it's, it's the ordering of our priorities that he's saying. It's an almost, you have to get your sense of proportion from men measuring against the big priority in your life. And you walk with God where everything else fits. And if I was to summarise everything I've said today, and I'm, 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 I'm nearly finished, you know, lunch, lunch is coming, <laughs> is let your faith prioritise your priorities. Let our faith, our walk with Jesus, prioritise our priorities and decide what comes first. Because Jesus said, but don't seek these things, but do seek the kingdom. It's almost as if he's saying, I don't want you worried about all oh, this, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. But I know what you're like. You'll have to worry about something. So I'll give you something to worry about. Now, I don't think it's the same. I don't know if your parents will like this, but 
when your mother used to say, if you don't stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. If you don't stop worrying, I'll give you something to worry about. You think your trouble's now? I could send you a few things. to. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He said, no, no, all that energy, all that nervous exhaustion stuff that you're pouring into worrying about things, that actually you're not responsible for working out. If you could release that into worrying about the kingdom, wow, things would really happen. How many five, six-year-olds sit around the table, mommy and daddy, and say, how are we going to pay the food bill, mommy? Can you imagine a five-year-old saying, daddy, I think you should put the light off because the, you know, the bills are big. They just don't do it. They just assume mommy and daddy, they know how to pay the bills. My experience of trying to get children just to look after, like, you know, a hundred square feet of a bedroom is way beyond most of their responsibilities. <laughs> I remember my youngest daughter, she'd never clean. So now when her children were, I said, just you wait till you're a mother and I will get my own back in you. And I have to be a man of my word. I have to be. And so, so her daughter was coming and she's going to put something away. She said, Nevea, just drop it on the floor, princess. That's what your mummy used to do. And my mum was going, very funny, Dad. I said, I told you I would. I tried try to warn you. I told you I would. I'm a man of my word. They don't have to worry about those things. Somebody must, though. Otherwise, it's child neglect. And, and your father is saying, it's not been irresponsible. It's actually been responsible to believe your father's looking after these things because I am doing these other things. And get released from all that fear and all that worrying. But... but what do you have to worry about something? Yep, and he says, what about the kingdom? What's the kingdom? Well, briefly, it's, it's where the king rules. When we go from country to country across Europe, you go through check barriers. You have to stop, and sometimes, sometimes you have to show passports. Other times, they just flag you through. But you go from one nation to another nation, you've gone from one to the other. In Jesus' time, there weren't any barriers like that. You just end up going to a village or a town. And the way you found out which country you were in or, or was, which king do you recognise in this village? Which king do you obey? Under whose rulership do you come? The way that we display which kingdom we belong to is why which king we obey by whose king's rules we live and whose king's authority we come under. And Jesus said, come on, just seek to keep your life under the authority of the king. And I tell you, some countries are nicer to live in than others. There's some countries in the world you would not want to live in. But the kingdom of God, you've got the most beneficial, loving, heavenly father. He's the, we've got the greatest king of kings looking after us. So be careful. And how do you seek it? How do you do it? Earnestly, every day. They say it takes 90 days to get a habit. You do something every day for, for 90 days habitually. And I, and I guess we've all got habits. I, I'm for, I don't know what you've been doing for COVID and our, our rules kept changing. And, but I wonder how long it'll be before I can go in my pocket and not find one of these. I'm thinking... I never had it. it. Used to be, I leave the house. I got my keys, got my wallet. That's that's it. But now it's my keys, my mm, mask. Mandy, where's the masks? I need the masks. And, and so remember saying, you'd be able to tell your grandchildren. Do you know there was a time 
when you had to wear a mask to go into the bank. <laughs> they wouldn't let you in the bank unless you had a mask. Because <laughs> if you didn't have a mask, then you were there to rob it. <laughs> Life's changed. <laughs> Life's changed. And I have to think, that's one of the things I am definitely leaving in 2021, 22. I'm leaving some things behind, but there's some things you cannot afford to leave. That resurrection life, that following the, the, the Father, I'm beginning to realise that I put my priorities first. And let me just tell you about how we talk to God about that, how we pray about that, because um, you know the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, we call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's because the Lord gave it to us, not because he prayed it, because he didn't need to pray, forgive us this day, did he? But it's the Lord's Prayer because he gave it to us to pray. And I found it interesting, one of the little quirks, twice, at least twice, the disciples asked Jesus how to pray. At the beginning, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, when you pray, and he hears, our Father who art in heaven, and then towards the end, after they've seen him, they come back and say, would you teach us how to pray the way you pray? Jesus said, okay, our Father who art in heaven, and repeats himself in three years before, which I found really comforting. I think after three years in the School of Supernatural Leadership, they're still on Prayer 101. And so am I. And he says the same prayer, but it's interesting what he says to them. He says, when you're on your own, when you're by yourself, and I'm going to keep going until you get the point, when you're on your own by yourself, go lock yourself in the room on your own by yourself so you won't be disturbed and pray. So basically the big thing he's saying is when you're by yourself on your own all along, go into a room by yourself, lock the door so no one's going to interrupt you so you're going to be what? By yourself all alone and then pray and say, uh, now, you don't have to have a high school major in English to know that when you're on your own, you don't talk about we. If you do, we, we may need... There are people here who can pray for you. There's people here who talk with you. We, we don't have the plural. You say, we should have said, my father who art in heaven. That's correct grammar, wouldn't it be? Except Jesus says, even when you're on your own, even when there's no one with you, even when you've locked yourself in the room to make sure there's no possibility of someone else being with you, never forget you're part of the body of Christ. Never, ever. Lone Christian, people say, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I'm sorry, I don't agree with you. You can't be a Christian without wanting to meet with other Christians. Jesus said, you will always want to pray, our Father who art in heaven. And when you pray that prayer, it's like somebody said, uh, the average... Little boy's prayer when he talks to God is, Good morning, God. My name is Jimmy. Now, gimme, 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 gimme. Amen. That's the prayer. And my name is Jimmy. Gimme, 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 gimme. But Jesus said, I don't want you to pray like that. I want you to pray kingdom first. Our Father, what? Who are in heaven. Did you say, Seek first the kingdom? Who are in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Gimme, 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 gimme. <laughs> gimme the steel daily bread. Give us, leave us not to, because he's not saying it's either the kingdom or having your needs met. He says it's about prioritizing. 
when you put the kingdom first and when you begin to put God first, then you can ask, knowing that he has already taken care of that. That's part of your daily package. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'm going to finish with this because um, when I was growing up, people used to dress up to come to church. Can you remember anybody else? No. In those days, women wore hats to church. No, it's only men that wear hats to church. Usually drummers, usually drummers and musicians. Baseball caps, that's, a, that's what it comes. And I love to have new clothes. We always got, I don't know what it was. The first Sunday in May, we got new shoes. And that had to keep them good. In fact, we couldn't really play football in them until they were too tight and they hurt. But when you come out into resurrection life, all of us are going to have new clothes on today. He said, I'm going to take your robes of unrighteousness. Of your right, because my robes of righteousness are like filthy rags. Jesus said, I'll take them. I'm willing to exchange your filthy rags. And I'm talking filthy rags. And I'll give you a robe of righteousness. When, I, when we come out into to live in resurrection life, I'm wearing a robe of righteousness. And you know, I can't afford it. But it's totally paid for. Totally paid for. Nobody here can afford to buy a robe of righteousness. Everybody here can have one. If you're watching online, can I say to you, today's the day. Easter Sunday, resurrected life. To come and say, Lord, take my filthy rags. Jesus, you died on a cross to pay the price. To set me free. Because Jesus has come now to take away all fear, to bring the truth that sets you free. Last thing to say to you is, there's a difference between facts and truth. My mother, who's just went to heaven recently, she used to say things, I used to think, if, if you had been around when the Bible was written, that would have been in the Bible. <laughs> and one of the things she taught us was, half a truth is a whole lie. So if I tell you half the truth, you go away believing something that's not true. Now, I've not said anything that's not correct, but I have misled you. And that's, just, that's the same as a lie. Because truth sets you free. Let me give you an example. Here, here's a factual statement. I am a miserable sinner who deserves to be separated from God for all eternity. Fact. Does it make me feel great? No, actually it doesn't. But here's something else. It's only half the truth. I am a miserable sinner who deserves to be separated from God for all eternity, who Jesus Christ, God's son, died naked on a cross and in my place that my sins would be forgiven, that he was buried for three days and that God raised him up on the third day. And today he stands and says, I am he that liveth, that liveth and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. And he said, you are going to come and live in eternity with me forever and ever. Amen. Now that's the truth. The other bit might be true, but the truth has set me free. Which father are you going to listen to? We're going to pray in a moment. And I'm going to suggest that maybe we just visit the tomb of Jesus for a moment. I'm not, I want to come away full of resurrected life. But maybe there's a couple of things we need to leave some happy meal wrappers behind. 
Maybe there's some unforgiveness things, you know. I'm not going to, I'm not carrying that anymore. Throw that, it's rubbish, actually. It's rubbish. Make sure you've got your purse, gentlemen and ladies. Make sure you're leaving, you're taking everything that's important, but make sure you're not taking any rubbish with you as well. Because why? Because we're going to live our resurrection life. I have died. The, real, I, the reason I can live a resurrected life is I'm choosing to die to everything that was the flesh. I'm choosing to live for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that you provide everything for us. Uh, the cross of Jesus was the ending of every, every hope Satan ever had of controlling us. Jesus, you said all power all authority is now given to you. That leaves nothing for the enemy. And we choose now to step back into your arms and to know that you love us enough to take us through every situation and that fear must give way because perfect love casts out fear. Now would you whisper into our ears the word of the Lord that brings faith that we might leave behind those things that are not helpful to us and we might grasp with strength those things that are good and walk out in resurrection life full, full of the good things that you've given to us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you.